Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Color Grade listeners. I'm your host, KB, and welcome to the Color Grade podcast. Are you seeing all the colors? The Color Grade podcast is an always unfiltered, always enlightening, and uniquely opinionated podcast about television and film that goes in-depth with guests that give a Black, POC, or queer perspective. Join me as I discuss highly anticipated movies and shows with fellow critics and friends of the podcast, interview some of your favorite artists about their recent or upcoming projects, and leave you with my recommended must-see watch list. Stay tuned. Cool Summer Review. South by Southwest had no shortage of great and dope content. And for me, Cruel Summer was one of them. So Cruel Summer is a brand new TV show on Freeform that takes place in the 90s. It takes place on June 21st in 1993, 1994, and 1995. So the main character we see is Jeanette. And Jeanette Turner um, is an interesting one. So when we first meet her in 1993, Uh, She has friends, but she is still kind of in her shell, still very much, uh, still very much like a nerd figure. Um, You know, she has braces. She loves spending time with her dad. And we just see this evolution from 1993 to 1994 to 1995. Um, She gets rid of kind of her nerdy friends, Mallory and Vince, and she evolves into this popular girl girl who has a very popular boyfriend and, you know, her dress and style change. And she's just very much into her sexuality and and growing into the young woman that she is meant to be. When we first meet her, though, on her birthday in 1993, she has an interesting run-in with Kate. And Kate is portrayed by Olivia Holt. Oh, R.I.P. Cloak and Dagger, because Olivia Holt was everything in that TV show. So moment of silence for that show. I really wish they'd bring it back. But anyway, she has this interesting interaction with Kate where she sees Kate at the mall and she is admiring her, everything about her, her style, her grace, her relationship. And you can tell that she's envious. And you are not quite sure what that envy means, but you can tell that there's like a little twinkle in her eye and she looks up to Kate, even though you also get a sense that she may not know Kate that well. Um, So it's just 
it's interesting. It really is interesting. And as the years progress, we see Jeanette not only become a, a different person physically, but we also see her kind of spiral into drugs. We also see that there's an interaction now with a lawyer. Um, you know, when we meet her at her, her birthday in 1993, it's her, her mom, her dad, and her older brother. By the time we get to 1995, uh some people in the family are missing and things have changed drastically. And uh, Jeanette doesn't have kind of the freedoms that she had previously. And it gets you wondering what happened. So there are a lot of flashbacks that occur over this TV show. And normally the type of person that I am, I normally wouldn't like a show like this because it does toggle back and forth very quickly and a lot between timelines and time zones. But for me, it works with Cruel Summer because it makes it a bit more intriguing. And for the audience trying to figure out these puzzle pieces, uh, I think that having kind of those different time jumps and those different time points make it interesting. It really, really held my attention. And I will say, I was never quite sure where it's going. You know, there are tons of TV reports that we see throughout the pilot episode that are talking about this young girl who's gone missing. And we realize that that young girl is Kate. And it's interesting to see the dynamic of Jeanette stepping in and becoming friends with Kate's friends in Kate's absence and everyone assuming that Kate is dead. I know that I did. You know, I I just knew that Kate had been murdered and, you know, we were never going to see from her again. But it was weird because it almost seemed like Jeanette strategically placed herself in Kate's life during Kate's absence. So for me, watching this, I was so intrigued because I thought, I thought for sure that maybe Jeanette had a hand in murdering Kate. So to my surprise, when Kate actually is alive and when we figure out that Kate is not dead, I was like, wait a minute, she's not dead? So how is it that Jeanette was able to basically just plop herself into Kate's old life, take Kate's boyfriend, take Kate's friends, get rid of all her friends, you know, become kind of that popular, iconic high school girl that she had always dreamed of. How did this happen? Uh, and boy, oh boy, is it a ride. So, you know, I will say that Cruel Summer is a little bit slower in the beginning uh, even with those time jumps, it's a little bit slower trying to pick up the pieces and getting to know the characters. My hope is that over the course of this series that it does speed up a bit more. Um, now that we know kind of from the pilot what we're working with, I do hope that the pace improves. Uh, I will say the performances are chilling. I mean, Jeanette just... First off, I feel like as an actor, this has to be one of the most challenging roles uh, because... You're essentially playing what feels like when I was watching it, like three different characters, uh, which makes sense because we as humans are always evolving. But that's something that I don't know. That's something that I feel like we don't really get to see happen so quickly. And a pilot is seeing these three different versions of a character almost immediately. Um, and I do not want to mess up the actress's name, um, but Chiara Aurelia. 
Um, I, I hope that's right. And I'm so sorry if it's not. I will say that she does a wonderful, wonderful job giving us that nerdy, dorky Jeanette, then seeing the progression to the more sultry, uh, more confident Jeanette, and then going into the spiraling Jeanette and the Jeanette who is not only unsure, but depressed and also mean and downright rude and uncertain about her future and uncertain about, you know, what life will be like and, and also scared because when we see that Kate is not dead, well then, baby, we know what's coming next. Kate is coming for her. And what does that mean? Because what type of legal trouble is Jeanette in? So Jeanette did not kill Kate, but what did she do? And that is the biggest mystery thus far in Cruel Summer. I am beyond delighted to see where this goes. They had me hooked, particularly in the last five minutes of the pilot with the reveal that Kate is alive. Uh, and now I'm curious to see what does this mean? What happens when Jeanette and Kate meet face to face these years later? What's going to happen with Jeanette's family? Where's Jeanette's mom? Where's Jeanette's older brother? Um, what happened with the relationship with her two best friends? How did everything fundamentally shift and change? So these are the questions that I'm asking myself about Cruel Summer as the rest of the episodes unfold. But I can say without a doubt, this was one of the best series that I saw at South by Southwest. Um, and I cannot wait to see more. And you know what? I am hoping one day to have the opportunity to chat with the cast and or crew about it uh, just because the way that it's done is so intriguing to me that I have to know more. So for me, Cruel Summer is definitely, definitely a must watch. Now, from a color gray perspective, is it color grade approved? Uh, you know, right now uh, we have two characters of color, and uh, I don't know if we have any any queer storylines yet, but we only have two characters of color. And I will say it's hard for me to know whether or not these two characters are going to be real prominent in the series just because I was only able to see the pilot. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, will I always vote for additional diversity? Absolutely. This show takes place in Texas. I'm from Texas. We have diversity. So I 1000% want to see more. And there are two Black characters thus far. Um, you know, where will they go? How do their storylines kind of tie into this larger mystery between Je uh, Jeanette, excuse me, and Kate? I'm not sure. But I, I want to see more. And for me, you know what? I won't lie. This definitely feels very much like a Freeform-esque show. Uh, it's given me, you know, Pretty Little Liars vibes in some ways, uh, but a bit darker and a bit heavier, it feels like. Uh, and also shot completely different. But I, I will say I need to see more. I'm intrigued to see more. I cannot wait to see more. Uh, and I want to see more of this evolution of Jeanette because I think that that's what's most intriguing. But also I want to see the evolution of Kate. 
And I wonder kind of as we go forward, will the character front and center change per episode? Because I think that that could be a really intriguing concept. You know, the last five minutes of this pilot, we uh, saw that Kate was alive. So it would be great if Kate were actually the focal point of episode two. And we get to see things from her perspective and kind of her evolution over the years and what happened all these years when she was missing. Um, so, you know, the show, I, I will say, is heavy and it does lean on some issues of trauma, um, assault and kidnapping, I believe. So, you know, I did want to make that um, known, but I am intrigued to see where it goes. And, you know, for me, I definitely think it is a must watch. Stay tuned on whether or not it's going to be additionally color grade approved in the space of really doing, you know, black and brown and queer folks right. But I will say absolutely 100% check it out and I would 100% recommend it and I cannot wait to see more. So I will say one last time, if you like YA content, with a hint of mystery and intrigue, I think that you will enjoy Cruel Summer as much as I did. You know, it is just a clear reminder that life is challenging and people go through things often. And this mystery at the center of these young kids growing up and growing into the people that they want to be is so intriguing to me. It is. It's very intriguing to me. And so, you know, just based on this first episode, which I think was directed, written, and acted exceptionally well, uh, I am curious to see where it will go. More and more and more dynamic layers on TV. That is what I am always rooting for. More diversity on TV, always rooting for. And I guess I will just have to wait and see how all of that plays out as this season unfold on Cruel Summer. And now for our next segment, Let KB Put You On. This week, I am recommending Younger. Y'all know there's nothing that excites me more and white, messy drama. Wrap it up into comedy form, and here we are. So this is another Darren Star production. And admittedly, I actually just started Sex in the City because I did not watch it through the height of, of its fame. And when everyone was talking about it, I have seen the Sex in the City films, but they are not a Darren Star production. So my first introduction to this Darren Star YA, you know, single city sex life type comedy dramas was Younger. Younger is in its seventh and final season now. So I am recommending a few things. If you have not seen it at all, please, please, please go back and dive 
in. This is some of the easiest TV to watch, I like to say. It's enjoyable. It's wild. It's crazy. They're filled with antics, but start there. So Younger is set in New York City, of course, and it is about the personal and professional life of Liza Miller, who is portrayed by Sutton Foster. And she is a 40-year-old, 40-something-year-old woman who has recently divorced and has a daughter in college. And, you know, this entire time she's been kind of living in New Jersey and she had to give up her career in publishing to raise her child. So when she gets divorced, she needs a job. She needs money to help her daughter out in college. And she does what anyone in this scenario will do when she is, you know, not getting the callbacks um, that she used to, seeing as that her career in publishing has been put on hold um, for a few years. She, uh, you know, lies about her age, passes herself off as a 20-something just to get back into the publishing industry uh, and gets an assistant role at Empirical Press. It is an incredibly intriguing story. Uh, Along the way, she also meets a 20-something-year-old guy named Josh, and it is, whoo, it's heavy in romance, it's heavy in drama, it's heavy in office comedy quirks. She just becomes this whole other person. I mean, the reinvention of Liza over the past seven seasons has been interesting to watch, to say the least. So first, if you have never seen this show, definitely start with season one. Uh, It's available, I believe, on Paramount+, Plus, but it's definitely on Hulu. I know that for sure. So definitely check out um, the first six seasons. And now... We are in the seventh season. Our show is back. I cannot say enough great things about this show. Um, I think my biggest point of contention is definitely the diversity, um, which is something that I clearly need to talk to Darren Starr about. Now, come on, Darren, we need more diversity. We need to see what the world actually looks like. So if you're looking for a lot of diversity on the show, you're not really gonna get that. Um, Most of the leads are definitely white, But it is intriguing in the sense that, you know, Liza's best friend is Maggie Amato, who is played by Debbie Mazar, and she's a lesbian. So we do get representation um, from the LGBTQ plus perspective. And uh, eventually, Charles Michael Davis, who you guys might know from a slew of CW series, um, but he also makes an appearance and starts to date Kelsey. And Kelsey ends up being Liza's new best friend as she also works at Empirical and is portrayed by Hilary Duff. So shout out to Houston. Um, So yeah, watch, you know, Liza's life is turned upside down and it gets very hard for Liza to maintain these lies. And so Liza is finally, after seven seasons, able to walk and live in her truth. And and what does that mean? You know, not only has she been engaged kind of in this love triangle between Josh, who is that 20 something year old tattoo artist that she met, but also Charles, who is her boss at Empirical and portrayed by Peter Herman. 
And so it's just so interesting to see, you know, the choices that Liza has made over the past seven seasons and how those all come to a head. You know, she desires more. She started off as assistant and she's working her way to the top. And what does that mean for her personal life? Her daughter is still in college. She's doing very well. And, you know, that works and and her love life is getting there. But who is she kind of apart from these men in her life? And what's the impact and the imprint that she wants to leave on the publishing world. So those are some of the questions that hopefully we get answered in this final season. Um, so far, kicking off to a good start. But I mean, if you like quirky and crazy and relatable um, in a lot of ways, except maybe the salaries, because that's always a, my point of contention in a Deer and Star production. How are these people making this much money? I have lived in New York City. I have worked in industries similar, and I am confused about how these people can afford life. So maybe that's my one point of contention. I mean, I do feel like younger is a bit more realistic because they everyone has a roommate or most of them have roommates on here. So I'm like, okay, that's a bit more realistic. But um, yeah, the salaries. I want to know more about that, Darren. Uh, But check it out. And I have mentioned, you know, Emily in Paris. I've mentioned on several shows and podcasts and maybe even Twitter that I um, enjoy that show as well. Definitely not without problems, but I definitely enjoy it. And that's another Darren Star production. So, you know, Darren has a, a theme. He has a type when it comes to the shows that he creates. And and I enjoy Younger so much for what it is and what it gives. So check out Younger. Paramount Plus right now, streaming season seven. Check it out on Hulu if you have not seen the first six seasons. I feel like I am well on my way to uh, diving into more of this drama and doing a rewatch. Uh, that's just how much I enjoy it. <laughs> Next up, I am recommending Moxie. So Moxie is a Netflix film directed by Amy Poehler. Uh, She actually also stars in it, but it is a comedy drama. And man, oh man, I really enjoyed Moxie. So basically, uh, Amy Poehler is the mom of Vivian, who is a young high school student really trying to figure out who she is. Um, You know, she has this best friend and they have kind of this routine and everything changes. I mean, when I say everything changes, everything changes the moment that Vivian meets Lucy. And Lucy is an Afro-Latina student who is new to the school and very honest and refreshing and always speaks up for herself. And, you know, she sees a lot of injustice happening at the school and she's not afraid to say something. Uh, And so, you know, it's Lucy's fire, her courage and just everything about Lucy that really awakens something in Vivian. And... Uh, Vivian starts to, you know, try to figure out the type of feminist that she wants to be and the type of message that she wants to send in her high school and the things that really need to change. Of course, you know, there are no shortage of F-boys in this, Uh, the biggest one being Mitchell, portrayed by Patrick Schwarzenegger, who is a terror, um, truly a terror. And we find out kind of later on in the film how much of a terror he is. But he terrorizes Lucy and she's new to school because she, you know, just rejects his advances. He hates it. 
uh, throws what I like to call a uh, an adult temper tantrum, although he's in high school, but he starts to throw temper tantrums and uh, he does a lot of microaggressions um, and macroaggressions even. And it's just so foul and gross to watch. It's an interesting time because Lucy reports Mitchell and gets no support being an Afro-Latina and a new student. No support. So Vivian tries to figure out in what way she can make her voice heard. And so she ends up starting Moxie. And Moxie kind of started off as this anonymous newsletter uh, that she puts in the girls' bathroom. And then it ends up being a movement and a support group where girls feel supported and they feel like they can be transparent um, about the issues that they experience. And and they really want to drive change on the on the campus. So it is a really, really good story. Um, very diverse cast. Uh, I do have some issues with Vivian. Uh, in a lot of ways, because I'm like, okay, now, you know, we could have had a non-white savior. Um, I would have loved that. Uh, But also I realized that this is Vivian's coming of age story um, and she is inspired by Lucy. And so in some ways, though, Vivian does, you know, forget who she's talking to. And I'm like, okay, Vivian, you know, you're you're treading a fine line Um, when it comes to her best friend, Claudia, and when it comes to Lucy and when it comes to a lot of different things, I will say. So, you know, it is not perfect, but it is a delightful film. And by the end, I mean, I was just really grateful that, you know, we are making these types of films for young women and young girls to be able to see like, oh, wow, this is a film with a message. This is a film about feminism. This is a film that can inspire generations to come to really do what they can in their environments and in their communities to change the way things are done. And this is a film for, you know, young men as well to be able to see, one, how to treat human beings, and two, how to be a supportive you know, feminist in their own right and how to support women uh, in our fight for equality and equity and how to support people of color in our fight for equity. So, you know, it's just, it's a small piece of art, but I definitely really want to recommend it because it's great. And just, you know, shout out to Alicia Pascual Peña, who is also in the Saved by the Bell reboot. And she portrays Lucy in this and she is always a delight. Her, you know, chemistry with Hadley Robinson, who portrays Vivian, is just so good to see that friendship, that dynamic on screen and how they bolster each other. And I really cannot wait to see more from these two actresses in particular. So please check out Moxie, available now on Netflix. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Color Grade Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and you can find me on social media at the Lady KB, at the Lady K-A-Y-B on Instagram and Twitter. Also, please follow the Color Grade Podcast on all social media platforms at Color Grade Pod. The Color Grade is produced by Domino Sound with lead producer and editing by Randy Chapman.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.